Welcome to the Radiate Church Podcast. We are so excited that you've tuned in to check out what God is doing here in Radiate Church, located in Elgin, South Carolina. Take a moment and click that subscribe button. That way, every Monday morning, you'll receive new content right on your device. Life-changing messages, discussions, and conversations that will not only help you grow closer to Jesus, but will help equip and empower you to live the life God intends. In this episode, we begin a brand new series called Killing Roots, where we look past the symptoms and get right to the root of what may be causing you pain. Come on, church, if you're excited that God is your great I am. I'd love to get this started in prayer. God, we just believe you're going to do something mighty and and powerful in here today. Thank you that I am determines who I am. Thank you that you're killing roots, changing lives, and taking notes. God, we just love you so much, and we are just moving in you today. We love you, and, and, and we praise you in your name. Amen. Man, I'm so glad you guys are here today. You can go ahead and take out uh, your, your, your notebooks or whatever to take some notes. Man, what a series this has been. Y'all, I have heard more feedback uh, during this series than, than anything else. And, and it's been a little weird for me because I'm not used to sitting on this stool and sitting at a table. Y'all know me, if you've been here at all, like this is, this is crazy for me. And um, I started physical therapy this week, so maybe I'll be back to normal soon. Um, but it's, it's, um, it's been great. The reason I say that is sometimes for God to do something great in our life, he has to get, get us out of a place of comfort. He has to get us into a place of doing something new. And often uh, that requires pain and, and frustration and, and, and even confusion uh, sometimes in our lives. And so I just know I, I've seen what God is doing in this series and what God is doing in people's lives. And I'm excited to see that. I'm excited for you guys to sw- uh, swing by and check out the Donut Man and the Cozy Bean and sign up for a life group, the life changing life groups. And we're excited for that. But we're going to jump right in today. We're going to jump right in. And, and here's the, the route we're going to kill today. You ready? It's the root of loneliness. If you're taking notes, and and I hope you are, it's the root of loneliness, right? How many of you guys have ever felt lonely, like at all? Like maybe your spouse just went away for a weekend or your kids were at school and you're used to them being home with you all summer. Any parents in the room with me right now? Some of you, y'all like ruthless. Y'all like, no, I am praising God right now. They are gone, right? Felt lonely, right? Most of us have felt the feeling of loneliness, and it's and it's a difficult feeling to to try to figure out. It's a difficult uh, just just this mental capacity to try to figure out loneliness. And and here's the deal: uh, for some reason, uh, there has been this stigma on loneliness that if we feel it, uh, then we dive into it more and we act like everything's okay. And I, and I really want to talk about that today because I want you to I want to start with this phrase, and I want you to grasp. This phrase right off the bat this morning, and it's this. Revelation happens in rows. Transformation happens in circles. I want you to hear me. Revelation, revelation happens in rows. Here's what I mean by that. When we gather here on Sundays, we get a revelation from God of his word, of his knowledge, of his spirit, of who he is. Like during worship today, if we're declaring, I'm going to see a victory, often when we begin to really declare that over and over and over again, and, and we start to feel the goosebumps, and we start to you know kind of feel it rising from inside of us, and we get louder and louder and get jacked up, right? 
here's what happens is it's a revelation of God's spirit rising up in us to go. I'm going to see a victory, not because I'm great, but because he's great. Because of who he is, it's a revelation. When we're sitting here and, and we're reading the word together, the physical word of God, right? And, and we're in this thing and, and, and we're hearing God speak to us as a corporate body. There's a revelation. Many times people come out and talk to me in between services and it's like, Pastor, like you must be in my life because you just spoke right to me. And I'm like, no, I'm not, but the Holy Spirit is and he's in my life. And so he connects the two. Does that make sense? Yeah. And so that's revelation. That's a moment where we go, okay, it's revealed to me something deeper about God and who he is. And so my life is shifting, right? And, and, and truthfully, if I'm going to be honest with you, there's only so deep I can go on a Sunday morning. Some people want me to turn into a theological professor on Sunday mornings. Can I tell you, that's really difficult to do to over 500 people every single Sunday at different walks in their spiritual journey, right? But transformation happens in circles. And here's what I mean by that. Transformation is whenever you take the revelation and you begin to flesh it out in a smaller circle of people. It's whenever you get into a, a life group of 12, 15, 20 people and you start talking about what God's doing in your life. It's when you sit around at Starbucks with three or four of your great friends and you start talking about the revelation that you've gotten in your life over the past month and what God's doing. That's whenever it starts going, oh man, something's clicking in my life. And I want you to hear me today that revelation happens in rows. Transformation happens in circles. It could it be that many times that we get these great revelations, but nothing ever changes in our life or transforms in our life simply because we aren't talking about it with people. We leave a Sunday and we're like, oh God, that's great. That's wonderful. That sounds good. That's really cool to know the connection of, of the cross to the back in Genesis and how there's a garden at the end of the Bible in Revelation and there's a garden at the beginning of the Bible in Genesis and how there's a tree of life in, in, in Genesis 1 and, and, and throughout and then there's a tree of life at the end of the Bible. God, it's really cool to know all that, right? It's really cool to know that, that as Pastor Travis and I have been talking this week that, that Genesis 3 is actually a connection theme throughout the entire your Bible like it's really cool to know all that but I'm not doing anything with it right that'd be like you looking at me and me handing you a thousand dollars you going it's really cool that you handed me a thousand dollars but I'm not gonna do anything with it that'd be pointless nobody would do that right and so we've got to get to this thing to where revelation isn't what we hold on to because I think when we hold on to revelation we raise a church of spiritually obese people and here's what I mean by that don't get offended. Just hear me out. What I mean by that is most of us will sit in a, in a row and we will eat what God's putting out, but we will never do anything to work it out. If we sit in an all-you-can-eat buffet all day, every day, and we never get up and go to the gym or never walk around or never do anything, then what happens is it just sits there and it holds and it becomes bigger than it should be. Why? And it's unhealthy. Why? Because we're not doing anything to work out what we've put in. And that's what we do spiritually a lot of times is we take in a lot and we're like, oh, I know better than you, you know, and, and we'll hear this phrase. I hate this phrase. I'm just going to go ahead and tell you I don't hate this phrase because of me, because uh, it has to do with me. I hate this phrase. I don't care who they're talking about. We've had people come into this church and say this phrase and I want to look at them and be like, you need to just be quiet right now. And it's this phrase. It's this phrase. The, pa the last pastor I was with wasn't deep enough for me. That just means that you want him to preach to you and nobody else in the crowd. That means that you don't want to dive in personally to the depth that God's trying to take you to. You just.
want to sit there and let him spoon feed you everything. Hear me. Because we're in this thing to where church, if we're going to learn this, church is where we gather together to worship and learn together. And then what? Do life together. Because what does Jesus say the two greatest commandments are? To love God. We've got that part. Yeah, I go to church. I worship. I sing. I serve. I listen. I read the Bible. I even take a physical Bible. I don't take my, my, my digital Bible. Like I, I got it on my phone, but I only use that in privacy in my living room because I got to bring my big Bible. Y'all know you bring them thick Bibles. Y'all know what I'm saying? And you bring your grandma's Bible that wore it out. Not you, but your grandma wore it out. And you're like, look at my Bible. The pages are falling out. <laughs> I'm just kidding, y'all. I'm just kidding. But we're in this thing and we're like, I got to love God. But then it says love others. I can't love others and be secluded from them. It's impossible. And so we've, we felt lonely. And, and, and here's what I want you to know. Loneliness is not a feeling. Loneliness is a separation from something. And often it's a separation from what God created to begin with. And so it's a separation from somebody that has, or something that has meant something good to you. And, and, and the enemy knows that if he can get us secluded, he can, he can get us to where we're a place to where uh, we're diluted. We're secluded, so we become diluted. Because have you ever noticed that the people that have the most lonely time on their hands are the ones that make up the most crazy stuff? Oh, y'all don't act like that. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Y'all know the people that, sit, that have more time on their hands and ain't got nothing to do because they're posting all over Facebook all day long. You're like, girl, I got a job. <laughs> we having some fun. Y'all calm down. Right? But the enemy knows. Here's the thing. The enemy knows that if he can get us by ourselves, he can play with our minds, which means that he's going to mess with our spirits and he's going to turn something into nothing or nothing into something. And so here's the thing, like seclusion, I want you to hear this, like I, God just gave me this this weekend, seclusion leads to delusion. Seclusion leads to delusion. We become so delusional when we're by ourselves that we think it's all about me because I'm all about me right now. I'm by myself. I'm not connected to anybody else. And because I don't know what you're going through, you need to know what I'm going through and you need to be sensitive to what I'm going through, but I don't need to be sensitive to what you're going through because I'm not connected to you. Seclusion leads to delusion. Are you with me? And the enemy knows, that's why the enemy creates division and he creates strife, is to get us disunified. That's why the word division means multiple visions. I can't be connected to something that I'm separated from. Y'all are like, that is obvious. Yeah, but in our lives, a lot of times it's not. And it happens slowly and it happens over time. And, and you have to, I want you to, this is something I've been thinking about, like connection and healing. Hear me. The enemy will get us to think that in order to heal from something, we have to separate from something. There is nothing. I, when I had the surgery, there's a, there's a cut that they had to make. Guess what they did to the cut as soon as they were done with the surgery? They glued it together so it would not separate. Why? Because if it separates, it can't heal. The body of Christ is the same way. We cannot heal and be separated. We have to be glued together and hold together and be combined together in unity in order to heal. Most of us are trying to heal while we're by ourselves, but there's a balm. There's something that the person that you're connected to can give you to help you with the healing. The problem is, is the enemy wants you by yourself thinking you can do it because if you can do it, you can be separated from what God wants to do to you. Are you with me? Healing happens in connection, not in separation. Healing always happens in connection. It never happens in separation. I don't ever want us to get to a place to where we think 
that if I separate, and here's what will hide it. I'm just protecting myself. I know what I've been through in the past, and so I'm just protecting myself from them. No, what you're doing is you're cutting off from the body of Christ. Hear me, you're like, hey, I know what they've done to me in the past, and that's fine. You, you, that doesn't mean they have to be in your inner circle, but that also doesn't mean that they have to be so cut off that you don't look at them when they walk down the same aisle as you in Food Lion. Y'all know what I'm talking about. You start down the aisle, you see them turn the corner, and you're just like, oh, okay, I'll go this way. I missed an aisle. No, you didn't. You went down that aisle three times trying to figure out where you were at. All right? And so we have to, in order to heal properly, in, in, in fact, in Psalm chapter 34, verse 18, it says this. It's not going to come on the screen. This is a reference. It says that God draws close to the brokenhearted. My one-year-old son, when he's the most upset, guess what he wants to do? He wants to be held the tightest. He wants to be closest to daddy. When daddy fusses at him, it's like, hey, no, we don't do that around here, right? He, he'll cry, and then immediately he holds his arms up and wants me to hold him tight. Why? Because there's something about a connection that brings about healing. I don't ever want you to get a delusional to the point to where connection brings healing. Connection always, always, always brings healing. And it's the same with our Father. He says he draws close to the brokenhearted. When you're the weakest, he's the strongest. When you're the weakest, he holds you the tightest and he holds you most. And the reason the enemy wants to come in and kill that, in fact, the first murder in the Bible was between family bond. Why? Because there's something about connection there. The reason the enemy wants to kill that is because he knows that there's something dangerous to him about a healthy unity and a healthy connection. And so there's a, there's a few things I want to show you, and I'm going to illustrate this one in a minute. But if you go to Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verses 9 through 12, it says this. Two are better than one because they have good return for their labor. For if either of them falls, the one will lift up his companion. But woe to the one who falls when there is no other, not, not another to lift him up. Furthermore, if two lie down together, they keep warm. But how can one be warm alone? And if one can overpower him, who, uh, him who is alone, two can resist him. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. Let me get uh, Justin Graham and, and Pastor Travis and, and, and John up here for just a minute. I want to I illustrate what this means, all right? Y'all are like, John's up there again. Something's going down. The hot sauce. The hot sauce. Here we go. So if we're in this thing, right, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to illustrate it rather than do it, right? So we're going to start with John. Y'all take a step back just a little bit. I know the table's there. But if John is living this life by himself, right? And, and sometimes life can feel like a boxing match. Am I right? Sometimes it can feel like you're in this fight. And so there's an enemy that's coming at you and just punching you in the, in the, yep, I'm doing it. And just punching you in the abs. I'm getting harder as I do it. And I need to stop and hold off because it's John. No, I'm just kidding. But if he's punching you in the abs and taking it out on you and there's no relief, there's no moment of stop for you to where you can catch your breath, it's going to be very easy for you to get worn down, right? But if you're playing WWE tag team and you got Pastor Travis up here and you can look at Travis and tag Travis in, come on, tag him, just tag him in, just have fun with it, right? And Travis takes the front spot and John can now hide behind Travis and Travis is absorbing the blows and Travis is taking the hits and Travis says, hey, John, I got you. Then when Travis gets tired, John's now had a breather and now he can step in and they're just trading places. And so they can resist the enemy 
Because now there's a, there's a relationship that is causing this opportunity for things to shift a little bit, right? But now, Travis, go back right there. Yep. But now both of them are tired. And so many whole key man, <laughs> Justin Graham, CrossFit owner himself over here can start taking the blood. That hurts my hand. <laughs> I love you. Can start taking the blows. And now these two can now take a breather, right? And so when he's had enough, you go back, back, go back behind John, uh, Travis, step up. John comes around, and now he's got two people in front of him that he can take a breather from, and he doesn't have to step immediately back up into victory. Are you with me? Do you see what it is? And so y'all just rotate, go back to the back, and step up a little bit, Travis, and we're right there. See? That's it. Just keep doing that over and over. It's the joy of having a mic. All right, you can stop right there. But do you see what's happening? Is now I'm not fighting this thing by myself with no relief. I'm not fighting this thing, and when I fall back, there's nobody there to catch me. They, oh. <laughs> I'm not fighting to where I have to have a, th a three-second turnaround. I'm fighting to where I've got boys that's got my back. I got girls that's got me. And here's what the writer of Ecclesiastes was saying. He wasn't saying, oh, just get you three good friends. He was saying the bigger, the more strands you put in your cord, the harder it is for your cord to break. And so the enemy can put as much burden and weight on your shoulders and on your life, and he can throw as many haymakers as he wants, but you got people that have your back that's walking this thing out with you. But what most of us want to do, y'all take this, you and, you and Travis step over that way. Most of us want to do is go, no, I'm good. I don't want you to know my mess. Because if you know what I'm really going through, you might not love me. If my church really knows what's going on in my life, sure, they may tell me that I, there's some, some repercussions to it and, and we need to work on some things and, and all this stuff, but if they really knew, nobody would even talk to me. They really understood. They really knew the addiction. If they really knew the depression, if they really knew the hurt, if they really knew the loneliness. And the enemy will get us to a place to where we're by ourselves because when we're by ourselves, it's going to be really hard to fight back for the long haul. But when I've got guys that have my back, I can switch off and I can fight together. Y'all give it up for my, my illustration this morning. Thank you, guys. And so what I want you to hear today is that Ecclesiastes, the writer of Ecclesiastes is telling us we've got to build our cords. We've got to build our circles. We've got, we, we got to be at a place to where not everyone has to know you're dumb, but someone does. And that's part of the issue, too, is we want everybody to know our problems sometimes. Like the more I put it on Facebook, the more, the more I get approval, right? Or the more I, I tell people how bad my life is, the more sympathy I'll get. And here's what we do. We always skew the story to where it's never on us. And I know this is hard. Because that's what seclusion does. Seclusion makes it delusional. And so we start using it to our advantage for people to feel sorry for us, but just within arm's reach because I can't get you too close. Hear me today. There are things in your life not everybody, not everybody needs to know, but somebody needs to know. Don't bleed on the wrong people because some people will take your heart and they'll take it somewhere and they will stomp on it in front of everybody just to have a spectacle. So I, I got to have somebody I can, I can bleed on. I got to have somebody that I can go, you know what? 
I told 55 people today I was having a great day, and the truth is it sucked. You can't say that. Why? You say it. No, seriously, like we, in our heads, we'll go, I had a great day. And then we'll walk away and be like, man, it was a terrible, it just sucked. It was just a bad day. That's the only way to put it. But you need somebody you can call and be like, hey, man, I'm just not doing good right now. Not everybody needs to know everything, but somebody needs to know things. Jesus had 12 that he discipled and he had three that he was close to. He brought three into everything. He had 12 that he brought into a lot of things. He had thousands that were a part of some things. And then we strengthen our cord to help each other so that we can go to the book of Galatians and it tells us something really powerful in verse 2. We strengthen our cords because it helps us, as verse 2 says, bear one another's burdens and thereby fulfill the law of Christ. Hear me. Leave that up for a second because I want us to feel the weight of what Paul is saying to the church of Galatia here. He's saying, we are to bear, carry, pull, push the burdens of someone else, which then allow us to fulfill the law of Christ. Here's the thing. None of us were designed to do life alone. We were designed to carry each other's burdens. We were designed to hurt. That's why 1 Corinthians says it like this, that I will hurt when the body hurts and I will celebrate when the body celebrates. In other words, I will carry whatever burden you are carrying because I love you and I care about you. And hear this, hear this, because if I don't carry burdens with people, I'm not actually living the law of Christ. Hear me, you cannot fulfill the law of Christ. You cannot fill the life of Christ apart from people. I've heard pastors say this. Man, I love the church. I just am not very fond of the people. Because we're in the people business and sometimes it can be really, really difficult. But if we don't have people, there is no ministry. And hear me, you're sitting there going, oh, that's pastors and that's, that's lately. No, that's you and that's me. Because the Bible says that we're all ministers of the gospel of Christ. Which means that I cannot love God and not love his kids. And so he says, bear one another's burdens and thereby. In other words, because of that, now you are fulfilling the law of Christ. Can I give you this thought real quick on carrying people's burdens? If you're carrying a burden by yourself because your circle is creating burdens... That's not a circle of God. That's a circle of drama. Hear me. We have to be in circles that carry our burdens with us, not create burdens for us. And some of us are like, well, well, I felt that around here. Yeah. You know why? Because we're all flawed, flawed, failing humans. But what we can do is go, you know what? If you want to be somebody that loves Jesus to people, can I tell you what the best thing you can do? Broaden your shoulders enough to carry your burdens and theirs. And let me flip it for a second. It says carry one another's burdens. Does that, here's what that means. There are people whose shoulders are broad enough and they're connected to you because they're meant to carry the burden with you. You're not supposed to carry it by yourself. I know it hurts right now. 
I know it's hard right now. I know the job just laid you off and you're confused. Don't carry that by yourself. Get in a circle and carry that together. Transformation happens in circles. And then when we carry our burdens together, we're, we're actually, as we just saw, acting like Jesus. And Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25 tells us something really important here. It says, not forsaking our own assembling together, as is the habit of some sleeping in, just saying it's not important to be at church today. I can raise my kids to love God, but not love his church that he died for. Are we with, are we putting this into practical terms yet? It says, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, not discouraging, not telling people to get out my life, get out my way. You messed up. You said this, you did that. You acted that way. I'm going to beat you over the head for it. No, no, no. Encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day drawing near. It says, not forsaking the gathering of the brothers. I, I love this thought because the very word gather, you cannot do individually. Are you, are you picking up on the simplicity of this today? It's throughout the gospel. It's throughout the Bible. I cannot gather anything individually, but gathering happens in a group. Gathering happens together. We gather corporately on Sunday mornings, and we don't do it just because, well, if I don't, then the pastor's going to preach to an empty room, because I can tell you something, I'll preach to an empty room. We don't, you don't gather for me. We gather because Jesus died so that the church could worship the Father and reach people back into the kingdom and relationship with the Father. That is why we gather on Sundays so we can get revelation to go out and live it out in transformation with others. That's the church. He said, forsake not the gathering of the brothers. In fact, in Matthew chapter 18, verse 20, if you wanna write that down, it says that where two or three are gathered, there I will be in, in, in his name. Jesus says, I'll be there. I want you to know this. Jesus visits those who gather for him. Jesus visits those who gather for him. Well, my circle's small right now. Okay, that's fine. In fact, here's what you'll learn. The more influential you become, the smaller your group will actually become. And that's okay, but they got to be good ones. It says, Jesus says, I will gather in my name when they gather in my name. Some people will go, I just like going to church because I feel the spirit there more. It's good. But the spirit works in groups as much as he does in this. Are you with me? He says, he says, look, gather with two or three that you can talk this out with that's where i visit but it, here's what he says hear me when they gather in my name don't gather in your name don't gather in the name of somebody else that you're trying to spread their business don't gather in the name of negativity and hurt and pain gather in the name of jesus jesus is a victorious savior Jesus already rose from the dead and defeated death, hell, and the grave. We know the end of the story, and it's victorious. Stop gathering in the name of defeat and negativity. Are you with me? He says, I'll visit those that gather in my name. And the last, last thing I want to bring you to on why this is so important, I'm going to close on this. Psalm chapter 92, verses 12 through 13. 
Have you noticed the theme today? We've gone from Old Testament to New Testament, and it's the same theme all the way. He says this, The righteous man will flourish like the palm tree. He will grow like a cedar in Lebanon. And then he says this, Planted in the house of the Lord, they will flourish in the courts of our God. Planted in the house of the Lord. Why is it so important to be planted in the house of the Lord? God wants us to build relationship and gather with his people, with his kids, with his church, not just on Sundays, but as a group. God wants us to go to Starbucks together. God wants us to go throw axes as men together. God uh, wants us to go play golf. God wants us to sit around and do book studies. God wants us to do all that in relationship. Why? Because when I'm planted in the house of the Lord, then something can flourish. Maybe we haven't seen the flourishing of God's word because we're not planted in God's house. Well, I give. Wonderful, thank you. You allow us to reach thousands of people really every month. That's amazing. But I want you planted in his house. Why is serving so important? Because I believe in his house so much that if you get planted in, you'll grow. Why are life groups so important? Because I believe that if I get planted with his people, we'll all grow. Because loneliness, loneliness has nothing to do with God. In fact, from the very beginning, God was all about relationship, never about seclusion. But the enemy has come around and he's like, I just need to separate. It's just, it's a hard season. I just need to get to it. I need to stop serving. I need to stop with groups. I need to, Wow. Well, I got to do all that because I'm going through a hard time. Good. So are 500 and something other people every single week. You know why you need to open up to people? Because there's nobody that's got it right. And if they look at you and they're like, I can't talk to you because you got, you got junk. Wrap your arm around them and go, I know you do somewhere too. Because I'm going to tell you as the pastor, I got junk. I don't walk off this stage every single week going, oh man, I killed it. This church is going to do great. <laughs> I walk off this stage some Sundays and I look at that man right there, my second pastor, and I go, man, I bombed today. That was terrible. I don't know if anybody's life ever got changed. I don't even know how to lead this church. All I know is I'm going to go and I'm going to pray for about six days to even find out if I need to lead this church. Because we all got that junk. You know what I'm saying? We all got stuff. And I'm not saying that so you'll come to me and a lot of me be like, Pastor, you're great. You're good. Don't worry about it. <laughs> I'm telling you that because we all got something we need to talk through. He says, if you're planted in the house of the Lord, you'll flourish. You'll grow. His word will grow. His blessing will grow. His anointing will grow. Your life will grow. Your marriage will change. Your kids will grow. Community doesn't happen on accident. It happens on purpose. And so here at Radiate, We're unapologetic about what we do. We're here for one simple thing. We are here to equip and empower people to live the life God intends for them. What does that mean? That's a really transparent statement. Or or, or really, uh, it can be all-inclusive. Yeah. I don't know what your talents are yet. But we're here to equip and empower you to live those out. Yeah, but pastor, I I I got a messed up past. Good. So do I. Pastor Travis and I ran into each other during messed up past. And now we're pastoring together. Everybody's got a purpose. Here's the deal. We're here to do that. And we're also unapologetic about the way we do it. We're actually really simple. 
We're going to do it through serving and we're going to do it through groups. Because we know that serving is active and creates connection. And because we're committed to his church. And then we're going to do it through groups because we know that that's a way that we can grow. And everything God does is about depth and connection. We're unapologetic about that. So we're going to equip and empower people to live the life God intends. And we're going to do it together. With you. For you. Because that's what this is about. And so it's really simple today. I'm going to pray that there are people in here that you just feel like seclusion is your only option. I'm going to pray that that leaves. Because it's not. In fact, that's opposite of the gospel. I want you to walk out of here connecting with people you've never connected with. I want to walk out in that lobby to greet people. And I can't even talk to you because you're talking to too many people. Because you're trying to connect. But here's your next step. I try to end every message with a next step. Here it is. Go sign up for a life group. Give it a shot. Give it a shot. I've heard so many lives change. I know some of you are like, this is my first, second, third, fourth time here. That's a little much. I, I get that. And then I'll hear this sometimes. Well, this church is bigger than any church I've ever been at. And it's hard to meet a lot of people. Groups. Groups and serving. That's where it's at. You don't have to know everybody, but you can know some people. Are you with me? Go sign up. Give it a shot. And watch God do something amazing in your life. Let me just pray for you. Father, we honor you. We praise you. We give you everything today. God, you gave your life. You gave your son so that we can have everlasting life. And so God, I thank you that you have made connection a part of the gospel. Imperative, center to the gospel. Connection with you and connection with others. And so God, I just pray today that there's anybody in here today that would be like, in their mind, in their hearts, they just feel like seclusion is their only option. I gotta get away from people. I can't be around anybody. God, it may be painful for them. It may be hard for them and difficult for them. But God, I pray right now that the enemy would take that thought out of their mind. And right now, God, that they would know that inclusion, that connection, that relationship and community is a part of the gospel. And that we would walk in that. God, I pray that as we walk out of here today and we sign up for life group, I pray this is the best season of life groups we've ever had. People would be set free from addiction and bondage and pain because we're doing this life together. God, I thank you that you've given me a family called Radiate Church that I can do life with. And God, I thank you that we've got a bunch of people that are just crazy about you and crazy about growing with you. But God, I pray that we'd be crazy about growing with each other. God, we honor you in this house. This is your house. This is your church. We are your kids and we give you everything. In your name we pray, amen. Come on, put your hands together for Jesus in the house.